Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective, and it is everybody's favorite day, Finance Friday. We're uh, here with a guy who, frankly, kind of looks like me, and that's a compliment. It's Seth Levine. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Uh, always a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Um, so, by the way, everyone, leave a like and super chat. We got a finance guy here. So we're, we're talking about um, why commodity currencies are better than crypto, and there's been some recent news a few weeks ago or less uh that atx thing happened which someone like FTX. me <laughs> ftx yeah that's it um so maybe we can get a, into a little bit of that you know maybe that kind of makes people suspicious of finance in general maybe i'm guessing you have a view it's kind of like maybe like when uh a, a, a socialist economy fails people say oh see too much capitalism i'm gonna guess uh the parallel is there so um, I guess so. Uh, we could start with like what, what sh what's a proper um, currency, uh, you know, backed up by gold or some equivalent uh, commodity? Yeah, sure. So that's a great question and one that I think uh, is pretty um, charged. Um, and really, um, that's also one of the fundamental questions that got me kind of going down my path of exploration. You know, anyone who kind of is familiar with my site is known uh, and also my show that I used to have on this channel has known that. I've really gone down this wormhole of money um, for a very long time. And the reason why is not because it's, uh, you know, some, you know, I like talking about it or pontificating, but really it's, I kind of got there by trying to figure out, you know, improve my investing. You know, I'm a professional investor um, by day. Um, I'm a blogger at the Integrating Investor uh, by night. And as a full disclosure, you know, everything I'm about to say on this show is, of course, uh, my own personal opinion and does not reflect anything, uh, those views of my employer, or I'm not looking to buy or sell any securities, do your own investment work. This is not investment research, how to, how to throw that out there. But, um, you know, really, like I came to trying to figure out what the heck is money because of you know, over my investment career, it's been dominated by um, central banks and central bank actions and by trying to figure out what central banks do and how they impact markets. Long story short, I got to this, this idea of money. So looking at money, um, what I found in looking at money is that, you know, just money, the concept is that it's pretty um, um, poorly defined and poorly, uh, not only poorly defined, it's not universally defined. And one of the outcrops of this is that we get to this debate on what makes the best money. Should we have commodity money? Is money just, should we have fiat money? Should we have cryptocurrencies, right? And that's it's kind of the three types of money that dominate kind of today's discussion. And really, um, you know, these are pretty charged. And the interesting thing about all these is that if you observe how they all work is that they all have kind of valid observations, right? They're all rested upon val valid observations. So commodity, you know, commodity money people will say, well, you know, gold is the best money, right? Uh, and, you know, money without gold is a disaster. And, you know, uh, it's true. I, I, I tend to believe that gold up to this point in history has been the best money. And we'll come back to this whole concept of money, in, uh, you know, in a second. Um, but it's also true that fiat currency works. Like I can walk into a store and buy buy stuff, right? Like it functions. It doesn't mean it functions well. That doesn't mean it's the best type of currency, but it is um, false to say that fiat currency is a disaster per se. And also, you know, with cryptocurrencies, you know, there are the whole, the whole concept or the whole 
the view out there is what are cryptocurrencies going to be the future? Can they be money? Um, can they not be money? So you have to kind of, I had to go in and unpack this whole concept of money. And what I did is get, is, you know, kind of looking at money is, you know, there's basically four, four sort of like uh, things, functions that people believe money form, uh, uh, money plays. Um, and this goes back to an essay back in uh, the late 1800s. Uh, by uh, a guy, J Javon, who sort of codified it. It's people think money is a common measure of value, uh, a medium of exchange, a uh, store of value, and a, um, and a standard of, a standard measure of value. Long story short is I don't, I only think the only valid, valid function that money plays is as a common measure of value. And actually this has roots back to uh, uh, Aristotle for anyone interested. He, Aristotle actually talks about money. And then when you look at the other stuff, the other functions, medium of exchange and store and, and uh, um, a store value, uh, let's put standard the standard uh, value aside for a second. You can start to unpack these 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 ideas, and for me, it's been very instructive in forming, I think, uh, better views of kind of commodity money versus um, uh, fiat money versus um, uh, cryptocurrency. And the main way I've been able to do that is to remove the whole medium of exchange concept from money and actually just leave that as a separate concept that I call currency. So we have money, which is the common measure of value. In other words, how we kind of, how we measure value. We have currency, which is the medium of exchange. And then we have savings, which is the whole store value. Now, the way how I think of this in analogy form is uh, I hold this pretty simply as money is to length as inch is to dollar. Right, money is to length as inches to dollar. So money is just stands for this concept, this measurement concept. So like length is a measurement concept for space. Money is a measurement concept for economic value. Right, as as producers, we you know, and traders as as humans, we have a need to sort of quantify the value of our time and effort. That's what money does. And then we have standards for it, such as dollar, yen, euro, pound. Just like we have standards for space, such as inch, centimeter you know, whatever. Um, and then, then we actually transact, we exchange these values in these standards using things like currency. And actually currency can be things like commodities. Currency can be things like, um, like uh, fiat currencies. Fiat uh, currencies can be things like uh, even IOUs, right? C currency may be able to be things like, um, like um, uh, um, cryptocurrencies. But then once we have this concept of currencies, we can now go down and say, what makes for the best currency? And we don't have to have all that fighting over like what makes the best money. Okay. Um, so I see it, you nodding, I either lost you or uh, starting. No, to no, I mean, there, there's so many, so many uh, directions we can go. Um, yeah. I guess I'll, I'll ask uh, again about like uh, the gold thing, just to, before moving on to uh, what's wrong with crypto, et cetera. Um, what, what, like, so it should be, there should be a finite amount of what's backing up this currency, right? So like gold is finite, it's valuable, but you could always find more gold. So does your money then get inflated if, if they discover more gold in, in Africa or somewhere? So I actually think that that is a, uh, uh one of the flaws of, of Bitcoin specifically. Um, so if we think as, so money as this, as this measure of value, right? You know, I always, I kind of, you know, keep it in my mind as money is production, right? When I produce something, I am producing money. Let's say, 
I'm a farmer, right? And I have nothing but seeds. You know, I go, I plant these seeds, right? I could kind of, I could value the seeds in my farm. I could put it like in money terms, right? I could be like, oh, I have a hundred, a hundred million dollar farm, right? It consists of this land, this equipment, and these seeds. I print, uh, I plant the seeds. Grows into I don't know wheat. I harvest the wheat, and I say, oh look, I have ten million dollars of wheat now, right? So the wheat and the seeds. You know, the wheat and the money are the same thing, but the money just is a, the money is a way of quantifying kind of the economic value that wheat has uh, to human beings in trade. And actually, you know, I basically took a, uh, you know, I don't know if math is right. Let's say a million dollar seeds. And now I made 10, $10 million a wheat. I actually produced $9 million of, of value, right? Just by growing the seeds, right? Now that wasn't trivial. That takes you know that takes resources and time and 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 knowledge and a bunch of things but i actually made money right you know i kind of made money kind of almost out of thin air but really it was through the human productive effort so mm-hmm. we can make more money just by the sheer value of production in fact if we didn't make more money um or, or what i should say is the evidence that we can make more money is the fact that human uh you know you know human life and wealth has increased you know throughout time right we're no longer running around the savannas you know of africa but rather we have things like iphones computers and zoom um so that is just all that stuff we could we could quantify as money so if you want to use a currency and this is where we where i'm going to um or let's just say if you want to have a standard for that value uh for that money you don't want it to be capped right you don't want it to be because in essence if you are capping sort of your 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 money or your standard for money what you're doing is you're capping the amount of actual production you're allowing humans humans to, to produce and that is uh, obviously you know very uh, very very bad for life um so we want to have more production right that doesn't mean we want that doesn't mean we want to have um arbitrary money but we need money that grows and scales directly proportional to the amount of output that humans mm-hmm. that humans put into the world, bring forth I, into the world. So I think I understand that that like money is production. So so more wealth is grows over time. I don't. I never quite understood why gold had anything to do with it. Um, and I know we used a picture of gold for today's thumbnail. Not not that you or I probably made that choice. Uh, so sure. I mean, how, so how do you how do you relate the the issue of gold? Uh, to what you just said? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I think a really important one. So gold, um, the way how I see it, right? So now we have this, think of it as, uh, let's go back to money is to length as dollars is to inch, right? So an inch means something and it means something to everyone, right? It is a predefined space, you know, I don't know, like this much, right? Like we go out and like, it's a little bit arbitrary in how we define it, but it's objective, now that's very important. I and mean, all of us know how much an inch is, right? We go out and we can all measure an inch in terms of our own, in terms of our own, our own senses. We don't need anyone to tell us what an inch is. So and it's important, an inch is a standard, a standard amount of space because we're measuring space. So translate that to money. If we want to measure the value of stuff to humans, we need some kind of standard. Right. Mm. It doesn't matter what we pick, but we need some kind of standard. Right. The, 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 the selection is arbitrary in a sense. And I, I, it's not. But, you know, there are better, better standards than others. But it's a little bit arbitrary in a sense. But because gold is objective. Right. It exists in the world. Uh, it's traded like I'm not a gold miner. Right. 
I don't know about you, but I sense you're not a gold miner, right? right. Um, I don't know that much about gold, but I do know some things about gold, for example. Like gold is not like laying on the side of the street, right? Gold has to be produced. It requires, you know, geological knowledge. It requires, I don't know, uh, you know equipment. It requires, you know, scientists. It requires smelting. It requires a transportation network. It requires a lot of stuff to make gold. Mm-hmm. In other words, it requires a lot of production to make gold. So if we just, so that's objective, right? Like gold has a price or gold is a thing. Like we could weigh a mass of gold and that gold, it doesn't matter what we call the, the unit, but we know that that unit of gold actually represents human effort, actually represents production. In other words, it's an objective standard. It's something that we could all see in view. Again, not being a gold miner, but I'm pretty damn sure, like pretty certain that that clump of gold actually represents human effort. So now we could use this representation of human effort as a yardstick to measure other representations of human effort in the world. Now, gold actually has great qualities um, that have been pretty well, you know, um, uh, you know, kind of established um, throughout time, which is why the market actually selected gold. I mean, there were all tons of, you know, commodities throughout human history. You know, there were shells and, you know, uh, you know, silver and tea and tobacco and cacao nuts and cloth and all this stuff the market kind of came to gold for you know a variety of reasons being that you know it you know most of the stock is kind of exists it doesn't spoil it you know whatever right it's malleable um so gold actually played a very good monetary standard um in that sense mm-hmm. uh do we still need it today now uh, we need, I think we need an objective standard. Now, right now we have fiat currencies, right? And what fiat currency is, it's actually the, 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 um, uh, there is no standard by definition, right? Like a US dollar, for example, or British pound or, or, you know, or whatever, there is no standard, right? There's nothing that I could say a dollar is worth X amount. Really it's, this is, it is subjective. In other words, I have to take a dollar out into the marketplace and see what I can buy with it as opposed to knowing, so it is ungrounded, it is actually, it is not grounded in, in reality and it is not objective. So I do think we need an objective standard, just like we need an objective standard for length, because if you wanna build houses using this concept of length, you know, different builders can have different, different lengths, right? You wanna go order a bathtub to put in a, uh, you know, in, in, in a bathroom that you're building, um, you know, one order one that's, I don't know, six feet long. Well, if my six feet and your six feet mean something different, you're going to have, you're not going to be able to actually efficiently create a house. And I think that's what happens in this world of fiat. Fiat currencies is that we don't have a standard. Now, gold was a very good, the market actually selected gold over thousands of years. Um, you know, um, does it have to be gold? I don't think it has to be gold, but I do think it has to be something objective and gold would be a good place to, to sort of dial the clock back to and then sort of uh, kind of move, move on from there. Mm-hmm. So um, when it comes to all the different uh, philosophers you can read, you're not necess- you're probably going to disagree with most of them, but like studying the various, various complex systems they've come up with can help you understand your own philosophy if, it, if you're an objectivist. So there is value to studying various philosophies of the ages. Uh, it kind of like helps you uh, through like its relationship to objectivism. You can sort of 
kind of see what they did and it, you understand philosophy better. So like when it comes to studying uh, various monetary theories, quote unquote, they, even I can tell you, most of them seem like trash to me. And when it comes to studying all the different economic catastrophes and, and things like that, the value of, I think, uh, looking at it is like, it, it helps me understand like, like that these are not capitalism, these are not free markets and and these these are not real mo like good objective monetary theories. Like it sort of uh, sharpens my understanding, albeit limited, of a good monetary and economic theory review. One hundred percent. And what's interesting about philosophy is that if you compare it, and even or sorry, what's interesting about economics is compared to other sciences, there's no there's no um, disagreement in other sciences like there is to the to the degree that there is in economics you know for example like you don't see so i would argue money is a fundamental concept for economics you know we we, we could argue that to a physicist uh you know water right is is a is a or or, or grat you know or, or, let's say you know like there's you know or i don't know what it would be a biologist water is like a very fundamental concept right like what is money uh, what is water Right. You don't see like scientists debating what what's water? Oh, well, you know, water, uh, you know, I think this thing is water. No, water is this thing, right? No, it's this. No, water is like is a liquid, you know, water is like a you know, uh, an atom comprised of two, you know, two hydrogen and one oxygen, uh, you know, atom. It can be in three phases, you know, and you know, you know, whatever. I don't need to explain to you guys what, what water is, but like when it comes to money in economics, kind of an analogous term, like. No, they're like different economic uh, economists have different views. I mean, this even, you know, you could go to the Austrian schools, different than like the New Keynesian school, which is different than, you know, whatever, like the monetarist school. And, you know, and even Rand herself kind of opined on money. And I actually disagree with how money characterize uh, how Rand characterizes money, but that's, that's, that's a separate issue. So the idea of like looking at these different, different views and you know kind of going back to the objectivist ethics because i can I, I can speak like that here of finding the similarities and differences in order to integrate sort of in, in order to integrate concepts has been very helpful kind of uh for, for me and this is what brought me just to bring it all back to this idea of separating the concept of common measure of value from from uh, from medium of exchange and store value by looking at all these other sort of views of money i kept the similarities and use the differences to sort of break that concept apart. And that, mm -hmm. and that could actually lead us back to kind of currencies, you know, this whole mm -hmm. concept of currency, um, which, um, which is kind of, kind of a teaser for, 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 for today's show. Now currencies can be you can be actually comprised of very different things, right? Like there are metal, there used to be like metal coins that were used as currency, right? Uh, people are, and myself too, very sympathetic to like the free banking period. Um, in um, I guess uh, you know, kind of Western Europe, and also uh, also a little bit here in the U.S., where we didn't have a central bank, we had currencies that that were represented by gold, for example, uh, in banks. Um, you know, we could sort of look look at it and say, why did those work a certain way? Like, why were like it's clear? It's clear. Just taking a step back, maybe it's clear that like from a currency perspective. We don't need commodity currency, right? Like I have paper currency now and I can go to the store and I could buy all sorts of stuff, right? We haven't had 
commodity linked currency in the modern age for you know over 50 years. It still works. Society has not collapsed. That doesn't mean in a couple hundred years it won't or you know whatever, but it's working right now. So clearly the kind of gold bugs to pick on them for a second who say that you need to have gold as money, otherwise everything falls apart is just false because there have been periods of time you know with fiat currencies. It's false. like it can work. But it's not 100% false. And that's, that's the issue here. This is going back to the epistemology. Because if we look at currencies and we look at history, we could see that like commodities clearly play an important role in currency. Right? Whenever we've had fiat currencies, and I think there's been something like 150 fiat currencies, they all, they all fail. So they do all fail. So fiat so it's true that fiat currencies can work, but also it's true that commodities play an important role in currencies. And it's like, well, what is that, right? Why is that the case? Because even when you look at commodity currencies, and there's a great, uh, a great kind of piece by uh, this guy, Alfred Mitchell Innes, who is the founder of what's called the credit, credit, uh, uh, the credit theory of money back in, I think, 1913, uh, ironically enough, he looked, he studies all these gold coins from like Greece, ancient Greece and like, you know, like uh, the mid medieval France. And he looks at him and says, look, okay, like you have all these like Greek coins, right? That are worth, I don't know, one unit, right? But they're not all, you know, they're, they're, they're precious metal, but they're not all the same precious metal, right? Some are gold, some are silver, some are some mixture. They're in different, they're in different um, purities, like, so, but it didn't matter if one was silver and one was gold, they still traded at the one, you know, the one unit mark. So that's interesting because clearly the monetary, con clearly people weren't trading these coins for monetary, the monetary value, right? Because otherwise a gold coin would trade more than a silver coin. They acted as tokens. So you, there are all these things of like, okay, like commodity currency wasn't standard. So I'm not sure that the commodity value in there was a was really the thing upon which people traded coins on. But you take that away, and then you sort of ha can have like fiat currency collapses. So this brought me to this idea of, of coming up with, I'm sure there's a better word for it. I, I come up with this term called acceptance risk. And by looking at commodity, by looking at Current calling currencies currency and not money really helped me. And this is why it helped me. When we trade, right? We're basically just trading, uh, you know, we trade our things for currency, right? I, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I buy one of your, uh, your records for money. Now you have money. You're like, great. Like, this is, you know, let's just say cash. Like, you are expecting to have a certain amount of value in that, in that fiat currency. Now, what happens with that? Like, you don't want the money. You want to take that money and go out and buy other stuff, like, like the cool art stuff you have behind you, right? Like, you want other things. Money is really just this placeholder for other, sorry, currency is really just this placeholder for other things that you want to buy and sell later. So it's like the store value in a sense that's transmittable. Well, how do you, there's risk in that. No matter what you accept, 
for your goods and services, you are you are taking on some kind of risk that the currency you have, you can actually go and use again in the future. We kind of take it for granted. We just assume it will. But go back to like Weimar Germany, right, where people were getting wheelbarrows of marks. You're like, well, am I going to go be able to buy bread with this later? Like the answer was kind of like, no. So the stability of the value of that currency makes it utterly important. Well, how do you have something that's, how do you mitigate the downside of that? I call this all acceptance risk. Now, maybe other people have thought of other names for it. I haven't researched it. This is just my own thinking. So the best, and that acceptance risk really is the risk that someone else will take your, will accept your currency at the stated value because you don't want to get shortchanged. So I think the best currencies are the ones that minimize that acceptance risk. And that is the crux behind why I think commodities make good currency and crypto, you know, fiat and crypto make, make, make bad currency. And we could dive into that further. And really the reason why is, well, at the end of the day, let's say you, you, know, you, you get some gold coins for me for, I don't know, let's call it 20 bucks. And like, you know, what, worst case scenario, you, you, you could always extract the gold, you know, the, the precious metal from, from that and be left with something. Right. You, you know, it's not a zero. Whereas like if you take 20 bucks of fiat currency and the, and the, you know, and the currency becomes worthless, like you're left with literally paper that has almost no value. So commodities by getting things that have like mark that have utility value, you're just de-risking the currency in a transaction. Mm-hmm. And this leads to cryptocurrencies. Right. You, yeah. Just to, right, so Cryptocurrencies right now, I see very similar to fiat currencies in that you have these things, granted they're digital, right? That doesn't mean digital things don't have value. Otherwise, how, how are we communicating right now? But right now, cryptocurrencies are mainly used for just kind of speculation on the future, right? There's like, there's at best, there's a fintech component to them. So when you're left, we trade for Dogecoin, for example, or FTX, the, you know, whatever the FTX coin was, and something bad happens to that you're left with the digital equivalent of paper. Now, let's say, you know, let's say, I don't know, Ethereum, I'm going to just pick on this. This is not a recommendation by any sense or a prediction. Let's say like we are, let's say Ethereum takes off and like people, it's used in commerce. Like let's say you need Ethereum to do all this, I don't know, legal work or all this, you know, send, you're actually transmitting money or it has some commercial value. Then all of a sudden, at the end of the day, you're like, well, oh, I accepted some, some ETH from, um, you know, from Seth. Uh, you know, this kind of currency is, seems to be like collapsing, but at least I could still use the ETH to do all this stuff with it. So we're not left shortchanged, but we're far away from, from that scenario yet. So it's kind of hopeful, like these are kind of digital assets, but, you know, they don't have any utility yet. So if crypto, cryptocurrencies could gain utility value, commercial value in the real world, again, an objective use, then that's their best chance for being used as currency. And that's why that kind of runs the spectrum. So I covered a lot, a lot of ground there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I hope that had, makes sense to people. We had uh, David Vexler uh, on, if that's his last name. Uh, t- he, he was saying Bitcoin is like in a category of its own. He said, if I recall, don't don't call it crypto. Like he he sees those. Do you do you see it? Do you see Bitcoin as just uh, as like the same as other as cryptocurrencies or or do you see Bitcoin as in a category of yeah, its own? I don't separate it. And the reason why is this. I mean, this is the reason why I don't separate it. Right. Um, the reason is 
you know, Bitcoin is a, is a, every cryptocurrency is, is for the most part, they're all different, but, or different flavors, but it's, it's, it's more or less just databases, right? Some are centralized, some are decentralized. Like Bitcoin is a decentralized database. So like at the end of the day, like, let's say I can't send value. Like what is the value of, what is the utility value of, of Bitcoin? Now, if you read the white paper, the utility value of Bitcoin is like right there on the, on the, on the front, you know, it is, it was designed as a peer to peer cash, uh, cashless uh, transmission system, right? Just a way for me to send money to someone else without some third of value to someone else without uh, a third, a third party going through a third party. Right. So there's this whole system of verification that, yes, that's true. You know, if people start transacting with Bitcoin, right, like actually using it, then like, yeah, like Bitcoin can be a viable currency. Right. Just I mean, in fact, that's the whole that's the whole purpose of it is to actually be a currency, not be money. Right. Separating the two concepts to get you know, out. Um, but, you know, that's no different than anything else. So like is Bitcoin is just another thing in the world, right? There's no special status of the thing, um, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, all right, got some super chats. Speaking of money, uh, Jonathan Honig with 999 says, more Seth. Uh, you know, it's really interesting how like uh, people, like, someone like you or Jonathan can be so into finance and I'm like way on the opposite end of like knowing and, and being passionate about finance, but we're all kind of drawn to the same philosophy. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, Marilyn with 299, thank you. Jeff with $5 Canadian, thank you. Marilyn with $2 says, good to see you, Seth. <laughs> thank you. Uh, great. You're a bit, great to hear from you, MA. Mm -hmm. uh, Justin with 199 says, please comment on Kanye's Hitler praise. Uh, it's an interesting request for today's episode. And it's an interesting request in general. Is, is there some nuance to the issue? Like, do, do we have some unique take on it? Uh, it's, yeah. I it's, have nothing to say on that. Yeah. Um, I was predicting, I mean, I was basically saying on this show I, months ago, whenever Kanye started talking about Jews, I said, it's a matter of time probably before he just straight up denies the Holocaust or just straight up just show, you know, says things nice about Nazis and Hitler. Like that's the rabbit hole he's gone down. And really years ago, I was kind of predicting this in my own mind. Like when, uh, when Kanye started uh, talking about Candace Owens and now Candace Owens is not in, is not Hitler, but, but you know, when he's watching Candace Owens and Jordan Peterson, who is also not Hitler, that's kind of the rabbit hole he's going down. And a lot of people who are ill-equipped, philosophically they're ill-equipped intellectually they they and then the alt-right people the nazi apologists appear they don't really have they, they make arguments these are articulate people and people someone like kanye isn't necessarily going to have the um capacity to even to know what's wrong with this and yeah and they think oh this is edgy this is rebellious and uh so it, it's going to have some interesting implications in terms yeah, of uh yeah yeah, no, I think there's an analogy here to like the economics and that we're talking about here is like, I mean, I'm going to phrase this poorly, so please don't take this this right. But all good conspiracy theories rest upon some half truth, right? Just like economics, all these kind of views of money rest upon some kind of half truth. Like think about what I said about fiat currencies and, and, and commodity currencies. Like they all have some truth to them, which is what sucks people in. And then if you think about kind of the way that, you know, the, the objectivist epistemology of the hierarchy of knowledge, like you can, 
you can accept sort of one, if you, you know, it's almost like a package deal in a sense where like you're basing all your other abstractions off of this truth, but like your first abstraction is completely wrong. And then you've literally gone down this rabbit hole of kind of building false abstractions on false abstractions, even though there, you can bring it back to like some sort of like kernel of truth, but it's really that you've gone wrong, like an abstraction kind of along the way there. I think I you know, don't. I'm not a spokesperson for the objectivist epistemology. That's just my interpretation of it, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, generally, I I I was I was obviously um, this uh, very disapproving of what took place yesterday with Kanye on on the Alex Jones show. But many people were shocked, like they never saw this coming. I'm like, what part of him going around with Nick Fuentes was unclear to people? Like, I mean, that that this is. This should surprise people now that, that they can't believe what like it's trend the top trending 10 spots, like nine of them were related to Kanye's remarks. I'm like, I, I mean, I basically I just assumed this was happening already. And the fact that that he finally just said it, these things out loud, it should not surprise anyone. But uh, but I think um, there's cause for optimism in terms of the general culture. You know, the freaks are always going to have a megaphone on the Internet or I think they'll always have a megaphone. But but normal everyday people want nothing to do with any of these Michigasim and the recent midterm elections show us that people, they're not into the woke stuff and they're not into the uh, populism either, it seems. And uh, if the conservatives, if the, if the anti-leftists had a good philosophy, they could have addressed the wokeness and addressed the left and then taken us to the moon and, and beyond but like because they're so incoherent and petty um they've allowed the worst elements uh, uh available to basically eat them from within and now you you need to choose do i hate wokeness or do i hate you know uh populace more um marilyn with five dollars says hype thank you for that all right. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're here to talk finance, but I mean, as Seth, uh, you know, articulated, you can, you can connect anything to anything. That's, that's what integrating is all about. All right. Those are all the super chats. Uh, is there anything you think, uh, we didn't get to that we should have or. No, I think, uh, I mean, that's, uh, that's it. You know, I've written, uh, you know, for anyone who, uh, who doesn't know, um, certainly some of you do, you know, I have a blog up here. I write all these crazy ideas. Uh, I have an article. I think I think you guys link to it in the um, in the show notes there, where you can sort of read through those ideas more. Um, I've been, you know, I've been kind of on this on this, uh, you know, traveling down this for a while. So uh, I find it fascinating. It's helped me. Uh, this is not just pontification for me. This actually helps me in the real world. Even like evaluate things like should I buy crypto or not. Um, Again, like I, I have some articles uh, on my site. Again, it's not investment advice. This is just how I am thinking about these things. So, um, if you start separating these concepts of money from currency, you know, we kind of illustrated some of that today. Why I, you know, um, kind of how I look at cryptocurrency just by 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 better thinking about money. Right. This is when that's how I that's how I arrived on these views. So these aren't just uh, pontifications. You know, the the what is it the the um the theoretical is the practical you remember uh the, or do you recall this commercial with jimmy fallon maybe 10 years ago whenever it was where he's got like a room full of kids sitting around him and he's telling them about this bank or this credit card where like you get rewards and the little girl she's like two she goes no like she doesn't want it and he goes but you get more money and she goes no and i was just thinking about that now because like irrational people 
are kind of like that when it comes to capitalism. Like you tell them, no, it works. It's based in reality. It raises your standard of living. It's morally, objectively, like fair and right. But like when people don't have a rational philosophy, all the facts in the world are not going to sway them. They need to first be be interested in facts. They need to be interested in finding the objective, selfish uh, way to living a good life. So, you know, that's kind of like uh, my sort of uh, view of capitalism and of finance. Before before Ayn Rand, you could have told me all day, yeah, capitalism is it works, it's better, it raises your standard of living, and I'd be like, so what? I right. like, and like the rich are guilty, right? Like the businessmen are doing something wrong. Like, like the fact that mm-hmm. it works for them is not, does not, um, you know, and of course there's, there's envy in there. There is uh resentment and nihilism, of course, you know, ultimately these, these things are all related, but yeah, but once you're inspired by, you know, Howard Rourke and, and, you know, and, and characters like that and art like that, when you were talking about uh, the creation of commodities or creation of wealth, I was thinking, yeah, like, What's more, uh, what, what shows that more than art? Like you just write something on a piece of paper with very, very uh, few uh, raw materials. You've now created something that could be worth $20, could be worth a hundred. Someone might pay millions if it's signed or it's the single edition of a book like, or, or another type of art. So uh, yeah, all right. Good talk. Uh, yeah. Let's have let's have you back on soon. And everybody uh, follow Seth and, and check out the chat room for that link. Uh, that the uh, producer Daniel posted. All right. Uh, thank you all for joining us today. No upcoming shows today. And that's the exception that proves the rule. We normally have so much content that me reading the upcoming events ends up being like the longest portion of the show. So uh, support the, the network. Chat. Yeah. Support the, support the uh, network, hit the join button or become a member or leave a super thanks. And uh, that's all. For, thank you. Good to see you, Seth. We'll be back next week for the Daily Objective, and goodbye.